Let's look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 14 through 19. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. Verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Catch that now, verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, open our hearts and our ears to receive from you today. Lord, help me to present your word the way you want me to present your word. And that we all have ears to receive and to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Amen. A new thing. That's what we've I've titled the message this morning and the next one in Declutter. How many believe this? And if not, I'll believe for you that where you are is not where God wants you to stay. I, I believe that. I believe that where you are, right, even if you have the most awesome life there is, Right, You could be thinking to yourself, i got a great life. There's nothing wrong with my life. Things are going great. I'm healthy. My bills are paid. There's food in the cupboard. I feel like I'm strong spiritually. Even if you're at the highest place in your life, God has something greater than where you are right now. But we have to believe that he is doing a new thing. Many people are unwilling to experience the new things God is trying to do in their lives because of the clutter that keeps them longing for the past. This is important. How many here have ever wondered what if? Or if only I would have done this differently or if only I would have done that differently. When we think this way, what we're actually doing is we rob ourselves of the fresh work of God within us that can take us places we can't even imagine. Have you ever seen a movie or heard a story where someone constantly references the past? Have you ever talked to somebody that just constantly references the past? Now, if anybody's heard so much about the past, I'm not saying you haven't heard as much as I have, but being a pastor, you hear a lot about the past. Right? You hear a lot of people talk about you know, either the, the good old days or, or back when things were simpler and, and not so chaotic and, and back when, when things were different or easier or, or back when God moved like this or back when God moved like that. Maybe the past is attractive because it's safer than the present. Can I tell you this? Some of you have had some really bad pasts. But some, if you look this up and you study this, some would rather go back to the past than to step into the uncertain of not knowing what's coming, even if they had a bad past, because at least they know what happened in the past. But they have no idea what's going to happen 
in the future. The problem with this mindset is you can't very well move forward while living in the past. You can't. Look, this happens in relationships. This happens in, in, in other areas of our life. I, I'm not, I've come across different types of relationships where if you don't resolve stuff from the past, you're going to bring that into a new relationship. I don't care if it's a friendship. I don't care if it's a boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't care if it's a husband and a wife. If you don't heal from the past, you're carrying these things into the present. This is what happens. Now, I know this is easier said than done, but I'm going to tell you this morning that you need to leave the past in the past. How many have heard that before, right? Pastor, I've heard that a hundred times. Shut up and move on to something else, right? You need to leave the past in the past. The former things referred to in our Isaiah passage could very well be the exodus from Egypt or some other point in Israel's history. Pharaoh's words to the nation of Israel were this. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. It says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you have requested. Now, this is, this is interesting here. Why are we bringing this up, uh, talking about what we're talking about today? Because at this point in the history, the Israelites were being granted freedom after over 400 years of slavery. 400 years in bondage. Now, how many know it's hard to imagine what people were feeling packing up their homes and getting their animals ready and, and kids ready and luggage ready to, to walk off and head in the wilderness towards the promised land? Just think about it. It wasn't what they were used to, right? It, it's not what they were used to. And how many know we want the promised land, but very often we don't want to have to walk through the wilderness, Right? We want the end result, but we don't want the process to get to the end result. Right? We want to see it now when God says, I promise you something. We want the promise fulfilled now instead of just pursuing and continue with perseverance and commitment to push through until the promise comes. They stepped out into the wilderness and headed towards the promised land. It's even harder to imagine that they would want to go back to lives of slavery. They wanted to go back. 400 years in bondage. 400 years in slavery. They get into the wilderness and all they can remember is the past. All they can remember is what they know. All they re can remember is the experience that they've had for 400 years. How many of us who've gone through experiences over and over, not uh, bad ones, we've had bad experiences or, or different things in our lives that we want gone, but any time we step out, it starts to seem like the wilderness, so we think it's more comfortable to go back to where we were. I, I said this in the first service, it's like people in prison. There are people in prison that have been in there for years, and when they get released, they purposely do something else to get back into prison because being chained and bound and, 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 and doing that, that, that prison time is what they're comfortable with. They don't know how to, to, to deal with society anymore. They don't know how to live a life of, of freedom, so they choose to go back in bondage. Now, how many know that? I mean, that's up to them, but how many know that's a sad place to be? Right? That's a sad place to be. And, and it's a sad place for them to be where they are in this scripture because for 400 years they were bound, 400 years they were in slavery, they get set free, they want to go back. 
And that's the problem with a lot of people in the church today is they get set free, but then it becomes uncomfortable and they want to go back to what they know. They want to go back to, to what they're used to. They want to go back to what's normal in their life and, and how they used to feel because at least they knew then what was coming and, and how to handle it and how to cope with that phase of their life. But how many know whom the sun sets free is free indeed? And we're not called to go back and live in bondage. We're not called to go back and strap ourselves back up with chains. We're called to live in freedom. But they wanted to go back to what they knew. Wandering through the wilderness was hard. Can I tell you this? Following Jesus is not always easy. Can we all agree? Right? If it was, why are some of the countries dealing with what they're dealing with with being murdered for following Jesus? Being a Christian is not easy. And can I tell you this? It's not always safe. It's not always safe, but you're always saved. Amen? It's not always safe, but he will always bring you out. It doesn't mean that you'll never face hard times and, and there's never going to be times of the wilderness. But as you're walking through the wilderness, he will make a way and supply everything you need in that season of life. It was hard. It was different from what they were used to. How many ever here started getting away from something before, but then you started going back little by little because it's just what you're used to? Right? It, it, it's, it's what you do. That's, that's who you are. It's, it's, what I'm, it's what's normal. And many of these people, they simply wanted to return to the way things used to be. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was, I'd like to think that if I was in slavery and in bondage for I don't, my whole life and I finally get released, I would hope that I'd be excited no matter what I went through. At least I wasn't a slave anymore. Right? But they wanted to go back. But I think this can sound familiar to a lot of us. Because we're not really any different than the people we're talking about this morning. Listen to the encouragement Paul gives to the Galatian church. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Can I tell you this? Jesus is not going to burden you down and Jesus isn't going to put a yoke around you. The only person that can allow this to happen in your life is you. Well, Pastor John, the devil did it. Or Pastor John, God allowed me to do it. Or the devil told me to do it. You have a choice. You have a choice to live in freedom or you have a choice to live in bondage. I think we give the devil too much credit because we don't want to take responsibility. We give the devil so much credit and we make him to be something like he's got control over us. Can I tell you this? The devil doesn't have control over you when you have the one inside of you that has all control. But you still have a choice to make to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have a choice to say, I will no longer live in bondage. You have a choice to say that when I get up tomorrow morning, I am going to walk in victory and I am going to walk in freedom. Why? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. On some level, Paul is saying, leave the past in the past. 
He's saying, stand firm in your newfound freedom. I'm here thankful that you're not who you used to be and you found freedom in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When you accepted Jesus into your life, you became free and you became a child of God. This is what, that's what the Bible promises. So what's this mean? We don't go back to the, to the way things used to be. I want you to think about this question. What if God has something new for you going forward? Are you too content with where you are that you can't focus on what's to come? You know, people take that scripture, be content in all things, completely out of context. You can be content, but, that, but people twist that. That's not being content with where you are spiritually. Because God always has something more for you. God always has something greater for you. And there's too many people in the church that are just, I'm content. I'm content. And they wonder why everybody else spiritually is going higher and they're staying on the same level they've been since they got saved 15 years ago. Is because they've been content and not longing for something greater. And not longing for something more. How many believe the phrase, the best is yet to come? You know, it's a big thing that's really out there like in the beginning of every year. You know, the first Sunday of the year. Better things have yet to come. And I believe this is true, but what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. And if all you do is continue to go back to the way things were, you're going to continue to get the same results. You're going to continue to be chained. You're going to continue to be bound. What if the new thing springs up right in front of you, but you're caught staring into the past? I mean, if I'm standing here and, and somebody were to give me a gift or something new standing up here and I'm looking this way and they drop it in front of me, I will never see the new thing that they give me if all I'm focused is on the old things I had. We're not called to look behind. We're not called to pay attention to what was and, and live in the past. Can I tell you this? You can't fix the past. You can't change the past. Tomorrow morning when you get up, guess what? Today's gone. You can't do anything about it. So many people live focusing on things that they cannot change and that they cannot control. You can't control the past, but you can control where you're going in your future. And your past, no matter how bad it is, doesn't define or change the calling God has for your future. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 62. If you remember, I quoted this scripture the first Sunday of the year. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. How many here have ever run a hand plow before? Anybody ever run a hand plow in a field? Ernie has, right? I'm sure some others have. They just don't want to admit their age and raise their hand. <laughs> But how many know, and I only know about these because I watch Little House on the Prairie, but anyway, I've never run one, but how many know, even if, okay, let's, I don't need that binky, where'd that come from? Okay, <laughs> throwing binkies up here. Does that mean you want me to shut up? <laughs> but even if you're not thinking of an actual plow, how many know if you upgrade and you're in an actual tractor or something, you're going across the field, right, and you have your hands on the steering wheel, and, and you want to go straight and make a certain line, but if all you're doing is looking behind you, how many know you're either going to get in a wreck, your lines are going to be messed up, it's not going to be straight, and it's going to look horrible, right? Unless you're really skilled, I don't know. 
That's like with my son Johnny. He, he rides his own lawnmower. He has for like two years now riding mower. He can't, he can't handle the brake yet. He can't touch the brake. So, you know, we just send him off and uh, we, we pray that he learns to stop. But he did learn to stop. You know what he does? He has it in forward. He's going down. I mean, the kid, you can't just start him out on one or, one or two or three. He puts it all the way up six speed and he's going across the front lawn. And he learned in order to stop because he can't reach the brake, he just slams it back in neutral and it stops. Doesn't push the brake or nothing. I'm sure it's going to break something eventually, but we're just going to let him, let him do it. But one of the things I keep trying to teach him is I'm out there watching. I do go out and watch him. I don't send him on the mower and just send him out on the front lawn. <laughs> but he, he needs to learn to pay attention to what's in front of him, right? Because there, there's many times that I'll go out there and I'm watching him and, and, and he's, can, he's so excited riding the mower and like my heart's racing because I'm thinking he's going to run into the house. He's not paying attention. And the whole time he's driving one way, he's always looking back at me, just waving thumbs up and he's headed right for the road or headed for the outside unit of the heat pump outside the house. And, and I'm like, one time I had to run towards the lawnmower because he came like this close to taking the heat pump unit out. Like he just, he needs to learn where he's going. But one of the times that we were out there, I wasn't paying attention to him. And I had a wooden toolbox out on the front lawn, and it probably stood about maybe a, a foot high, and it was probably two and a half, three feet long, and it was wooden just sitting out there. It was out there because I was hitting, chipping golf balls into the toolbox. That's what I was doing out front. Well, I left it out there, and he's riding around. I weren't paying attention, and he caught that toolbox. And the front of the riding lawnmower came up. He just about fell off. I grabbed him, slammed the, remote, uh, the, the lawnmower back down onto the ground, and I said, Bud, you got to pay attention to where you're going. And, you know, I didn't take any fault for it because, I mean, he's the one who hit it, you know. I, I just left it out there, you know. But he's got to pay attention to where he's going. So I told him I wasn't going to stop him from riding. He's got to learn, so maybe we should just put a helmet on him. You know what I mean? Just let him go. So he has his own mower, but he's got to learn to go to know where he's going. We are a lot sometimes like Johnny on a riding mower. Is this all right? I'm just going with it, Okay. We are a lot like Johnny on a riding mower. We are driving this spiritual mower. We are going somewhere spiritually, but all we keep doing is looking behind us, paying attention to what's behind, and we're not paying attention to what's in front of us, and eventually you're either going to get in an accident, you're going to run into something, or you're spiritually going to get hurt because you're focused on what was and not focused on what's to come. As the church, we need to learn to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to keep our eyes on what lies ahead. Running the race that is set before us. Right? Have you ever gone, seen an Olympics where they're lined up to run and they, they pull the trigger on the gun to take off and they're all just doing this backwards? No, they run forward because they have a goal that to get to the finish line. How many here want to get to the finish line and Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You will never get there if all you do is pay attention to what's behind you. Because if you focus on what was, you're eventually going to go back to what was. No one puts a hand to the plow and looks back as fit for service in the kingdom of God. So we all like the sound of the best is yet to come, but still many of us are trapped and bogged down by the things of this life as we continue looking behind us to things in the past. You know, I, I'm not very good when it comes to sometimes, you know, I, I've had to like talk to different people and they're, you know, they're very much stuck on the past and things like that. And I'm not downing what people have gone through, but 
there's only so much you can say before you just have to come out and say, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I probably don't understand some of the stuff that some of you have gone through. We've all gone through different things. We've all gone through our own experiences and, and things in life. But at the end of the day, if you carry it, it's only hurting you. If you hold on to it, it's only affecting you. I don't always necessarily have to understand. I can hear, I can listen, but when you say, Pastor, what do you think I should do? Let it go. You can't change it. The past is in the past. They're either dead already, or they don't care if you forgive them or not. They don't care. They haven't come to you after 15 years. Why, why give them that privilege of holding on to something when it's only affecting you and not them. And I've had people get mad at me for saying that. Well, you just don't understand. You're not, you're unsincere. And you're blah, 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 blah. No, it's truth. It's true. This is truth. You cannot hold on to things and be effective in the kingdom of God. You cannot hold on to things and have effective relationships. You cannot hold on to things and expect to walk around with the blessings of God and the anointing of God. The more you carry, the more you're weighed down, and you'll never get to where God wants you to be to the fullest when you're weighed down by things of the past. So just a heads up, if you come to me and you ask me, Pastor John, what should I do about this situation in my past that I can't let go of? Let go of it. Move on. Let it go because it's only hurting you that's it some people don't comprehend it some people don't understand it but i can tell you what for the ones that i know that have let things go and just remove it and let it go and let god have control let me tell you what the weights that seemed like fell off of them and the peace that come over them when you do not carry things around that you weren't meant to carry around but it's your choice to let it go one of the places in Scripture says, throw off everything that hinders you. Throw it off. Get rid of it. We, can't not, we cannot be bogged down from the past. We must let it go and move forward. I mean, you know, life is an adventure full of a lot of twists and surprises, right? Sometimes you get up and your plan doesn't always fall through. I mean, here, get up in the morning and you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing today. But then when the unexpected flat tire comes, right, that wasn't part of the plan, right? You didn't get up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to go down to Dunkin' Donuts, get me a coffee, come back, and blow a tire. That's my plan today, right? That's not your plan. And how many know your plan sometimes gets messed up? What you want to see happen gets messed up. But how many know that's really not the problem? The problem is, is how you handle the things that happen that you didn't expect to happen. It's your attitude towards those things but there's a lot of surprises in life and yet at the same time we can have assurance knowing that this is not our eternal home now we can get into another study down the road because a lot of people you know we're going to go to heaven someday right we're going to go to heaven someday but a lot of people don't realize yeah we're going to heaven but we're also going to come back here and rule and reign a lot of people think, well, we're going up in the sky and we're going to float around with harps and, and white dresses on and we're going to just go up and sing Kumbaya for the rest of our life. No, we're going to go up there. This is a study for another day, but there's a time frame we'll be up there, but then there's a period of time where we're going to be coming back to rule and reign with him on the earth. 
lot of people don't realize that. They think we're just going to go up and be up there in heaven forever. But what I know is we're going to be with him forever. We're going to be with him forever. So knowing that no matter what we go through, our reward is great. No matter what we've been through, but we've stood the test and, and we've stood firm and we, we didn't allow anything to move us. We didn't allow the past to shake us or to weigh us down. Our reward is going to be great. So what do I, why do I say this? We need to live today like somebody that's excited. Right? How many depressed-looking people do you see in Walmart? <laughs> Listen to me now. Look. And a lot of them know Jesus. I've run into people I know in Walmart or in different places, and they look like they're either irritated or mad. I was like, I'm not going to get involved with that. I'm just going to walk in the next aisle. Right? Because they look depressed like me. I don't know what they're mad about, but I, I'm, I, I ain't got all the time of the day right now, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep walking. But there's so many people that, okay, I, I believe in, I have a relationship with the Lord, but yet you couldn't tell by the facial expression that they carry every day. Right? They look like he's there, but he's, they're mad at him. <laughs> right? He lives in my heart, but I, I, I want to kick him out. Like, it's like they don't want him in their life. They're, they're depressed. They look angry. They look upset. Now, there might be a reason that they are. There might be a reason why they're upset. There might be a reason that they feel down or anything like that. And, and that's where the body of Christ is there to help encourage if you know what's going on and, to, and things like that. But I've met more people that just want to be mad because they can be. They just want to be irritated because they can be. Nothing good, pastor, is going on in my life. Nothing. I ain't been blessed in I don't know how long. I just seem like I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. I ain't been blessed in I don't know how long. Check your pulse, buddy. You got up this morning and you're breathing. You weren't promised today, but God bless you with another day. You're blessed. When people are dying all around the world, you got oxygen in your lungs. Right? Sometimes we're looking for this huge blessing, and we're missing the little ones that are right in front of us. Oh, Pastor John, I hope I get a new car someday. I hope I just this piece of crap out here, you know, I just I can barely get around in it and all this stuff. Oh, look, did it get you to church this morning? Did it get you to work? Maybe, oh, Pastor, but I had to jumpstart it. Well, evidently, you either got booster cables or a thing to jump it. Some people don't. Be blessed. Right? That we can find blessings in every area of our life. But we need to live like we're blessed. The old saying growing up, we're too blessed to be stressed. Right? We have to live with the blessings of God. Being excited. Being encouraged. Because if I went up to somebody and I was there like, hey, wh what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Right? It's very exciting. You should come check it out some week if you want to. Right? Life isn't all that great, but if you come to church, it's somewhat better. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm real. I'm real. I'm really sick, and I, I don't know how I'm going to get by. But man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> if someone came up to me talking like that, I'd be like, "You need some help." I'm not going to your church. Tell me the name of that church so I never go there. Because if that's what the church is giving you is that type of mentality, I don't want any part of that. Right? 
We need to be excited so other people are curious and, and, and are anxious to find out what do they have that I need. Can I tell you this? There's people that know what you're going through. They're not looking at what you're going through. They're looking at how you respond to what you're going through. Because if you're somebody that they know, they go to church every week and, and, and they go to Bible studies and they claim to read their Bible. So now people are like, okay, I want to see how they're going to respond to this situation. Because people in the world actually want to know if we walk the way we talk. And a lot of people are getting discouraged from the church because there's a lot of blabber and there's no walking the way they're talking. And you know what that's, people call that? Or, or but they say a bunch of hypocrites. But can I tell you what? Like me, hate me, love me, I don't care. There are so many hypocrites in the church. Because we talk and act one way in church, but then we go out and the way we represent ourselves and represent Jesus to the world is completely different than how it is when we're in church on Sundays. All of us have been guilty of this at one time or another in our life. You know what I tell people? I'm not, going, I'm not going to that church. It's full of hypocrites. One more hypocrite won't hurt. Come on. Let's go. Because <laughs> we're all imperfect people serving a perfect God. We all have different issues. We all have different struggles. But I've said this before. I don't say these things to be like, oh, so we're just going to continue to live with those struggles. We're going to continue to live with those issues. No, we know we're imperfect. We know he is perfect, so when we strive to be like Christ, the perfect one, I believe every day we can see better and better results as we walk with him. Amen. You might have some issues. Fine. Give them to him and let him take care of the issues. We need to live today like people who are excited. You know, you go to some churches now and you, you hear them sing like, I'll fly away or something, and it's like legit, they just want to fly away. <laughs> like there's no excitement, like just singing the song and getting excited. Some, someday that's, we're going to go, someday we're going to go. But be excited that you've got breath now and there's still things that God wants to do. What would you dif do different if you knew right now is your last day? I'm not speaking anything over anybody, I promise. But I want you to think about that. If you knew God were coming back tomorrow, what would you do differently today? How would you respond to things today? Who would you get on the phone with and call? Who would you try to, to, try to witness to? Who would you try to speak life into? Would, you, would, your, would your facial expressions change? Would your attitude change? Can I tell you this? We are not promised tomorrow. And what we do today matters. Who we impact today matters. And if you want people to, to know Jesus, then you need to show them the Jesus that lives inside of you. Not holding on to what was, but being free to be everything he has created you to be. Well, Pastor John, I just don't see where it's coming. I don't see the excitement coming. I don't, my prayer's not answered yet. I, I don't see the result or, or going on and on with a list of things that, oh, I'd be happy if this were to happen. I'd have, Lord, I'll have all the joy in the world if you just do this for me. He's already done the greatest thing he could ever do for you by dying on the cross and raising from the dead so we can have forgiveness and we can be free. That alone is enough for you to be excited knowing that you're not on your way to hell and sin. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ who sets you free and you have a relationship with him. Being free. Live today like you're excited and live like the best is yet to come. Even when you cannot see it.
Why? Because we live by what? Faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. The truth is, it is way easier to believe God will do something new and good in your life if you can see the blueprint of what it will look like, right? I mean, I would lo- you'd love to see the blueprint. I-, I don't know if I wanna see the blueprint, right? I'd rather just go one day at a time because if I see a blueprint, it's like, okay, well, why is this gonna happen? Or what's that? What's going on here? Or what's going on there, right? But how many know when you build a house, it's a lot easier to see it if the blueprint's r- laid out, Right? Because if you try to do something without directions or a blueprint, how many here have ever done, tried to do something? You don't need the directions. Right, guys? You don't need the directions. And then I'm three hours putting a stupid crib together, like, or a playhouse or all these things. It's like, that weren't supposed to go there, but hey, I screwed it in, right? <laughs> it's not falling apart, right? It works. But if we don't have directions, right, and if we don't have a blueprint, sometimes it can seem like we don't know where we're going what's happening, or how to put it together. But isn't that just like our walk with Christ sometimes? You don't have a blueprint necessarily of what's going on, and sometimes you feel like you're wandering out on an adventure that you've got no idea where you're going or where you're going to end up. But yet on some level, we can have certainty, knowing that no matter where we go, if we're allowing him to direct our footsteps, he will guide us. He will guide us. How many also know we cannot stop other people's choices from impacting our lives? How many here have ever been impacted by not something you did, but by something somebody else did? Right? And we cannot isolate ourselves from every potentially bad or damaging situation. Isolate. Ring a bell from the past couple of years? Right? We got so many people even today after two, three years into all the world's nonsense that are still isolating themselves in fear because I'm going to get sick or this is going to happen or that's going to happen. I hear people every week that still come up to me and say, Pastor, did you you hear about the numbers here of the COVID deaths? Still, still, you know, and I'm I'm trying to be nice. No, I didn't hear that. But at the end, I don't care. I'd love to just say that to somebody sometime. I don't care. Just stop talking to me about it. I don't care about... The, I, I'm not saying I don't care that people are dying, but I don't care that it went to the point where I'm not going to live in fear and isolate myself from the world because of something that's going on in the world. When you understand what you carry and who lives inside of you, you do not have to walk around in fear. And when you're two to three years into something and people are still isolating themselves and you go knock on their door and they just open it a crack because if they talk to you, they think they're going to get sick. Am I being mean this morning? I'm not trying to be. Good. It's foolishness after so many years that people are still isolating themselves. And it's not just even because of COVID. There's stuff going on in our world where people are just so much in fear of not knowing what's going to happen that they literally have isolated themselves and want nothing to do with the outside. You cannot isolate yourself from every every, uh, potentially bad situation. You cannot do that. No faith. faith. There's no faith when you do that. Or, or, Or try to isolate yourself from every damaging situation. I tell people all the time, look. I said this the other day to somebody who brought up the COVID numbers again. I said, look. I'm not going to live in fear. I said, we, we, got one op- we got one chance right here. We got, our, we got today. 
I'm not going to isolate myself, worried about what's going to happen when I could still live the best life God wants me to live. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed five years down the road. So why would I want to isolate myself and be depressed and lonely and live in fear when I got today and I could live the best life and a life more abundantly through Christ every day until he comes back? But the question with all of this is do we trust him? Do you truly trust him? Yes, pastor, we trust God. We trust God. You can't say you trust God if you can't trust him enough to let go of what was. You can't say you trust God if you can't let go of what was and trust him for what's to come. You can't say you trust God if you think what he did in the past is all he's ever going to do and hold on to what was and the things that had happened before and not pursue more of him. If you trust God, you will let go of what was, expecting greater for things to come. Do we trust Him that greater is yet to come? Do we truly walk by faith and not by sight? We love the scripture, right? We, we say it's a good scripture, but I truly believe the atmosphere in your home, the atmosphere in your workplace, the atmosphere in our world would truly change if all the believers in Christ actually stood on all the promises of God and walk by faith, not by sight. The song we sing all the time, even though I don't see it, you're working. Even though I don't feel it, you're working. Why? You never stop, you never stop working. He never stops. Now how many, as we're getting ready to to close, hon, do you want to come back? How many here have ever heard the story of Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas in the Bible? I, I don't know how you can grow up in church and miss Doubting Thomas. But Doubting Thomas played an important role in Scripture. It's found in John chapter 20, verse 20 through 24. We're not going to turn there. But he's the one who heard about Jesus' resurrection. And this is what he said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. It's kind of a weird thing to ask, right? Hey man, here's whole nail holes that were put in my hand. Stick your finger in them. Right? I got this huge open wound in my side. You know what? I want to put my hand in his wound. Weird thing to ask. But he said, if I'm going to believe, this is what I need to see. So a week later, everybody say a week. It wasn't the day he said that. It was a week later. Jesus appears to Thomas. What does he say to Thomas? Put your finger here. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe, he said. Talk about awkward, right? Jesus told him to do the very thing Thomas said he had to do in order to believe. <laughs> That's powerful. What's that also tell me? Yeah, he doubted, but God still heard him. How many here have doubted before? I think we can all say we've doubted before. 
But how many are thankful that even in times of doubt, God still heard us? Jesus still heard him, and he did exactly what Thomas said he needed to to believe. But this is powerful. It says, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because how many know it's easy to believe something once you see it? But it takes a a lot more of a faith level to believe something that you haven't seen yet. And he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here's the challenge for all of us. Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus. In spite of our past, our trauma, our pain, our disappointment, in spite of the unknown adventure of the future here that the earth holds, no matter what happened to you before, no matter what what even good things happened to you before. Look, there's so many people that hang on to all good things that they're not getting something greater because they're so focused on the good thing that happened in the past. Read our scripture again. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. I mean, these are good things that He did. But Jesus continues in 19, Forget the former things, I'm doing something new. I'm not saying we don't remember what God has done. I'm not saying we forget our testimony. But you can't hang on to what was, even if it was good, in a way where you don't think God can do anything else greater than that. He said, I did all these things, but I'm doing something new. And I believe he's saying that to some of you today. Yes, I've brought you through the bad times. I've brought you through the waters. I've given you dry ground. I've made a way through the wasteland. I've brought you through through the wilderness. But if you would allow me to continue to do the new thing in your life that I want to do, the promised land is just around the corner. But you'll never hit the promised land if you want to stay back in the wilderness. If you want to go back to bondage, if you want to go back to slavery, if you want to go back to what's comfortable, your walk with Christ was never for you to be comfortable. How many here have been walking with the Lord a long time and it ain't always been comfortable? Right? It can be comfortable if if you don't obey the Lord. It can be comfortable if you don't walk by the Holy Spirit. It can be comfortable if you don't fall under conviction. It can be comfortable if you never say, Lord, less of me and more of you. You want a comfortable life? You can have your comfortable life. But you'll never get to the promised land and have what God wants for your life to the fullest if you're stuck on what was and not focused on what's to come. Forget the form. I want to do something new. I want to do something new. Well, Pastor John, I feel like this year he's already done something new. Awesome, let him do something else new. Some of you are still living based off the day you got saved four years ago. Some of you are still living off, I got water baptized two years ago. Some of you here have been saved for 30 years and all you still do is talk about, well, I remember when God moved like this and I remember this thing God did in my life and that thing God did in your life. Those things are great, but what is He doing right now? Are you so stuck on what was that you're missing the new thing that's right in front of you? What's it say? Behold, I want to do something new. Do you not perceive it? We can't perceive it if we're stuck on what was. We can't perceive it if He sets us free and then we decide to go back into bondage. I like to look at that scripture that we talked about with Pharaoh where Pharaoh said, 
up, leave, but he's setting them free. I like to think of this as well as a form of Jesus. Anytime he forgave or healed somebody in scripture, multiple times he said, go and sin no more. Get up. When he healed lame people, get up and walk. When they were getting ready to stone the woman for committing adultery, he said, go and sin no more. What was he doing? He was releasing them from bondage. He was releasing them from the slavery of sin. He was releasing them from their transgressions and, and the things that they had committed. He's saying, go and sin no more. And I believe that's what God calls all of us to do when we come to the same knowledge is go and sin no more. But then when we start to go, it feels like the wilderness isn't always, it seems like we're in the wilderness sometimes and like it's not always easy. And that's when the enemy will creep in and say, you know what, it was so much easier the way you were living before. It was so much easier before. At least you knew what was happening. At least you knew what was coming. At least you knew how to do it. But that does not take trust. That doesn't take faith. It doesn't take faith to stay with what you were used to. It doesn't take faith to hang on to what was. It takes faith to say, I'm no longer who I used to be. Because of Him, I can go and live free. Because of Him, I can let my past go and walk into the abundant life that He's called me to walk into. I can live in freedom. But you must let go of the past.